0: This episode of History Replays Today, the Richmond History Podcast, is brought to you by River City Segs, the premier Segway tour company in Richmond, the only Segway tour company in Virginia with an indoor Segway-specific training area. Find out more information at RiverCitySegs.com. You can book a tour there. Also, follow them on Facebook at River City Segs on Twitter at 804Segs. October's bringing on Halloween, and they're bringing out the Ghosts and Grizzly Stories Tour. Perfect for a very scary Segway Halloween. And remember, always practice safe segs. Replays today, the Richmond History Podcast. My name is Jeff Major. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you're feeling good wherever it is that you're listening to this. On the show today we got Patrick Henry. Um, if you don't know, Patrick Henry's not alive, so he is portrayed by an actor named Kevin Grants. Um, Patrick Henry gave a pretty decent speech here in Richmond and um, was a great lawyer, actually as well. Um, founding father and a uh, governor multiple multiple times he was governor, I think three times here in, in um in Virginia, that he was uh, their first governor. In fact, um, and Kevin Grants is involved with organizing the reenactments of the Liberty or Death speech at St. John's Church. If you haven't seen it, you should. It's pretty awesome. Um, they're going to do that every Sunday during the summer, from uh, Memorial Day to or yeah, Memorial Day to Labor Day. Um, that's going to start uh, uh, about one thirty. Uh, they have some organ music that's going to start, and then uh, the actual reenactment's about two. To about two thirty, but you're going to want to probably show up at one o'clock or a little, maybe a little bit earlier than that. Um, and uh, you get a really great idea of how stupid what they're doing was. Um, you know, from this side of history, it seems pretty good. Um, from the other side, you know, especially a lot of the guys who are dissenting to the the idea of arming against the king. I mean, the idea that a group of colonies who are not united in any form or fashion, really no military, are going to beat the strongest army and navy in the world. Um, it's a pretty tall pretty tall order um but it does end up working out for them um and a uh, little fun fact for you um they've been doing the reenactments there since the 1970s and uh with the, the, regularly anyways regularly during the summer since the 70s um first time they ever actually did a reenactment there at st john's uh was actually in 1927 and patrick henry was portrayed by a guy named douglas south hall friedman he's a pretty interesting fella You know, local uh, newspaper writer who uh, goes on to write a couple books, a few books, in fact, Uh, two of them just happened to win uh, the Pulitzer Prize. Um, They got some really awesome things going on, Patrick, at uh, at St. John's, excuse me, not just the um, uh, reenactments of the Liberty or Death speech. Um, They're going to be doing uh, Liberty or Empire, which is going to be a reenactment of a bunch of delegates, uh, 168 of them, in fact, here, um, arguing about whether or not we should ratify the U.S. Constitution. Um, that should be pretty fantastic. I'm a little excited about that. You know, you get to folks like uh, Edmund Randolph, uh, James Monroe, uh, who are going to fight pretty hard for the Constitution, and then uh, people like uh, like my guest today, Patrick Henry, um, them arguing against it. Um, and uh, it might be nice to uh, instead of seeing uh, talking heads on TV nowadays arguing about the Constitution, check out some fellas in uh, colonial garb doing it. Um, that is going to be September 21st. Um, it's free. It's going to be open to the public. And um, they're just asking for a $5 donation per person. Um, and uh, again, it's September 21st. Uh, doors will open at 1. They're going to start having some music at uh, 1.15. And then um, the reenactment will actually begin at 1.30. And uh, another thing that's really awesome, uh, um, Fancy Me Mad, which would go very nicely with the last episode I posted with uh, Chris Sumner from the Poe Museum. So they are gonna have tales from Edgar Allan Poe, um, and uh, it's a self-guided walking tour through the graveyard there at St. Um, St. John's, which is in fact the first municipal graveyard in Richmond. Um, and so they're gonna have reenactors of uh, uh, Edgar's mom, Eliza Poe, who was an who was herself an actor, um, and uh, she's buried there in the graveyard. Um, Eliza, uh, Elizabeth Van Lew, you know, Union spy, crazy bet, um, who lived catty corner from from the church as well. Um, and uh, uh, George Wythe, America's first law professor. He actually uh, um, helped get the Virginia State seal put together as well. Um, but but he's buried there. Um, it should be a little awkward for him. Um, his son, or his, excuse me, his uh, nephew, um, George Wythe Sweeney, uh, is also going to be there. And a little awkward because uh, Sweeney did actually kill George Wythe. A uh, little murder. Um, that's actually October 26th, and it's going to be $5 a person. Um, but hey, look, if you got a family of four, $15, um, haven't been to the movies in a while, but, um, can you buy a single movie ticket for $15? I don't think so. Um, but, uh, but yeah, go check those things out. And before we get to the, um, conversation with, uh, Patrick Henry, I just want to say, you know, let me know what you think about this. Um, check it out on, uh, uh, at history replays on Twitter, history replays today on Facebook. Um, you can also, uh, contact me on Tumblr. I'm at History of Plays Today on Tumblr as well. And um, go to uh, History of Plays um to uh, check out other episodes. Um, remember, it's on uh, iTunes and Stitcher. And definitely remember to um, subscribe. Tell your friends. Tell everybody they should subscribe as well. So let's go ahead and listen to Patrick Henry. Thanks a lot. Patrick Henry. Henry. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you for joining me here today. It's quite a time. Right. Um, and uh, I guess uh, I guess a lot of people don't know a great deal about you as an individual. Um, are you a big man, a small man? People can't see you with this modern technology.
1: Well, I am of Fahrenheit. I am nine six foot. Um, never thought to describe myself thin. Uh, my nose is rather long. Reddish hair, I have poor eyesight, which I occasionally wear spectacles for, but I think myself of a, as a plain man. My wife enjoys me, however.
0: <laughs> and if, uh, it's a very d- difficult thing for a person to describe themselves, their person, but would you be a pleasant person, a fiery person, a grumpy? Um, I try to be at ease with all gentlemen.
1: And I succeed for the most part. There are a few gentlemen who will succeed in angering me, but I try never to show that. You should never show an excessive warmth in your discussions. Uh, but I do try to be as pleasant as possible with as many people as possible, and I usually succeed. Excellent,
0: excellent. And where where were you born?
1: I was born in Hanover, about 20 miles
0: north of where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And... Um Would you have been born into wealth or...? Well, I was born into the middling
1: class. My Mm -hmm. father was not extremely rich, but neither were we poor. He was an educated man Uh, he went to college in Edinburgh and he served here as a magistrate. Uh, He taught me at home when I... my formative years, uh, Greek and Latin and other things. And we did fairly well.
0: Mm-hmm. Then we owned property. We were of the middling class. Okay. And not slave owners growing up, though. You, you acquire slaves later in life, but that wouldn't have been... Well, slavery is a tax in
1: question. And, yes, I do own slaves, and I cannot justify it. I can only say that I cannot conceive of uh, the inconvenience of living without them. That said, however, I would dearly hope that something can be done to abolish this trade, because it is apparent to anyone that it is unchristian, uneconomical, and
0: monstrous in the eyes of God. And I guess, I guess, discussing—would you have been an Anglican? I mean, you're, or? Well,
1: I, of course, everyone in the colony is theoretically Church of England, mm-hmm. but. My mother is one of the new lights. Uh, we attend, uh, as a boy, I attended with her the uh, sermons of Reverend Davies. And it is from Reverend Davies that I have learned to any pretense to oratory that I have at Pogren Church. However, as one grows older, one realizes that uh, there is no one way to look at God and my mother being a dissenter and the rise of the dissenters. Mr. Jefferson has said that, in his opinion, at least half of Virginians are of different denominations. Growing up, there was the acts of toleration, that although we were officially a colony of Church of England, we would tolerate other religions if they would apply for licenses for meeting houses and conduct themselves in an orderly fashion. And this is what Reverend Davies did. But by the time as we neared the Revolution, the troubles began, and people were... In fact, my first rise to fame was in the Parsons cause, uh, which was a case brought against the Church of England. Very complicated dealing with tobacco. And then later I defended many people who were being persecuted, the Baptists especially, who felt that it was not up to the government to license their relationship with God and that the acts of toleration were infamous because to tolerate something implies a superiority. And these men were being arrested and beaten and persecuted throughout Virginia, in Caroline, in Spotsylvania, in Chesterfield, and other places, and imprisoned. I took it upon myself to defend many of them because I felt that it was their right. God gave us a mind when we were born He gave us a free mind, a mind free to search for him in his own way, in our own way. And each man will find a different answer to God. And it is not up to one man to tell another man what is correct in religious beliefs. This led to a lot of inconvenience. And sometimes, as in Mr. Mr. Weatherford's case in Chesterfield, I ended up paying the fine myself because he refused to. And Archibald Carey, Old Armside's, refused to budge. Mr. Weatherford had preached from the prison. And so they erected a barricade around the prison. And he carries voice carried. And thousands of people were coming. And it was a situation where nothing would be done until I stepped in and anonymously paid the fines. In the case of the Spotsylvania Baptist, I arrived very late in the proceedings and I was able to make a speech that convinced them that uh, judge Brock there that what they were doing was a violation of God's law and they released the prisoners and eventually one of the first things after the revolution was the establishment of religious freedoms in the state of Virginia which then carried over into the rest of the United States and hopefully will serve as a beacon for the rest of the world
0: and I think it, I think it hopefully it hopefully it does carry on. Um, and you, as a lawyer, you were self-taught, right? Indeed,
1: uh, it was fortunate that I found the law because I had made a hash of everything. <laughs> I, I,
0: I wasn't going to bring up your failures, but it, it seems like the uh, well, our failures
1: define our successes, do they not? I have never been fond of physical labor. Even as a boy, I would hide out in the woods rather than perform my chores. And as a tobacco farmer. I found it very ruinous and monotonous work and could not do it. As a shopkeeper, I was too friendly and lenient with my clients and suffered there. I had married Miss Shelton and was working at her father's tavern across the road from the courthouse. Miss Shelton is your first wife? Indeed. Yes. And it was there where the lawyers would come for drinks in between cases and talking to these gentlemen, I realized that they made a great deal of money by talking, and I can talk. <laughs> so I decided that perhaps I could make up a living doing this. I judged myself of suitable intelligence. I borrowed from the clerk of the court uh, Blackstone's Commentaries, read it for six weeks or so, traveled down to Williamsburg at the College of William and Mary, and in Virginia, under the law at that time, if you had a majority of the law school sign your petition, you could read law and practice it in a, in another attorney's office. I succeeded in convincing the gentleman, even though that I was untutored, that I had potential, and so began to work. Uh, very quickly. I got my own practice and was very successful, indeed very successful. But my real fame came in the Parson's cause, as Mm -hmm. I mentioned earlier. It was... Of course, in Virginia, when I was a young man, there was very little hard money. Right. And so tobacco notes, or tobacco itself, were the method of payment on many debts. And it had been that in 1758, salary for the clergy was set at 16,000 pounds of tobacco per year. And the gentleman took the tobacco every year. Some years, if the market was good, they made more. If the market was bad, they made less. Uh, with the passage of the Two-Penny Act, because of an acute shortage an uh, economic hardship in Virginia, they passed the law temporarily paying the Parsons at two pence per pound of tobacco per year. But it so happened that that year, the tobacco crop was very small, and it was selling in open market for sixpence per pound. And so it was the Parsons who went to law. They first went to England, talked to the king through the representative, and had the law declared null and void. They came then back to Virginia and proceeded to pursue it in local matters. Uh, The Reverend Moray from Fredericksville Parish in Louisa County, Decided to be one of the first, and he brought charges against Thomas Johnson, the collector of the parish there. And but he had it tried in Hanover County because Mr. Johnson was a very powerful man in Louisa. Mm. It so happens that my father was the trial judge <laughs> uh, at that first case. I did not represent them at that point. Uh, it was tried and. That it was judged, a point of law, that, yes, indeed, the Reverend Morey was due damages. So it was scheduled for some months later uh, to settle the Articles Demur and decide on, in December 3rd, I believe it was, 1763, exactly how much damages Reverend Morey was to receive. So I, at that point, went into the case. I took over for the gentleman. And I must say that um, I was able to use my friendship with many of the people. Uh, I convinced the sheriff that he did not go with the quality gentlemen, Mm -hmm. that he could go out amongst the village green, as Reverend Morney said, amongst the vulgar herd. Mm -hmm. And he got several noted religious dissenters to sit on the uh, jury. And I made the case very much, and my uncle, Patrick Henry Sr., was a member uh, uh, of the ministry, and I advised him not to attend because I would be speaking harshly against the church. You must understand that the Church of England at this point had fallen into disrepute amongst monks, m- much of Virginia, because of the laxness of the uh, ministers, right. and uh, some of them of poor habits. And I was able to convince the jury by attacking their greed, uh that they would steal from the orphan and widow children the last milk cow, the last bed, and nay, the last blanket of the lying in woman. And while I could not dispute that it was a point of law that they must be found damages, I was able to point out that you can set the amount and set it at one penny. And that is what they did. So in effect I won the case. Mm -hmm. Uh, I believe it would have been otherwise 266 pounds or so that they would have been due, but they got one pence. And that has been called by some people the first step in the road to revolution because we are calling into uh, question authority, the authority of the church. And who is the head of the church but the king? Right. And when a king breaks the social compact with his people... A contract, by law, must be observed by both sides, and if he breaks it on one end, we are under no obligation then to obey.
0: And we, uh, I guess in our day, we generally focus on the 1770s, but I guess that's more in the 1760s, and we forget about how it was brewing and brewing and not just a, an instantaneous thing that occurred. The Declaration of Independence did not happen in a vacuum, that you know, folks like you were, were beginning to, to this rise... Well,
1: Mr. Franklin proposed a plan of union in Albany in 1749 Mm. uh, that was too far ahead of his time. But, yes, ever since the Great Awakening, when uh, it became clear that all men are equal in the eyes of God, the king and the common man, as Mr. Adams has observed, the revolution took place in the heart and minds of men before the actual fighting began. Right. And so... And the inevitability, an in island cannot rule a continent. Sure. We would
0: eventually have to break away from her. And, and you also carried on practicing in practicing law, and from what I understand, called yourself a lawyer, which, from what I understand, you know, um, politician would have been somewhat of a bad word, it seems, to, you know, to, to say my profession is a politician. It um, you know, seems like most of your you know, folks, uh, Jefferson, Monroe, they considered themselves farmers if they were asked. Um, and you know, even Jefferson, it seems, at some point, figured that you know something like practicing the law would have been beneath him, you know, as a as a landed person. Um, but you carried on and considered. I mean, if, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, if asked, would you were a lawyer, correct, or well,
1: because in the idea of civic virtue, no one should be a professional hanger on of the people. Anyone who runs after an office is not qualified for it, but it is part of our civic duty, as those blessed with advantages, to serve as the public us. Mr. Washington is the perfect example, uh, constantly called out from his home and his domestic bliss to serve the needs of the country as general or as president. He, in my mind, exemplifies what the ancient Romans had in mind when they spoke of civic virtue. And in uh, t- tangent to that, I will say this that we are a commonwealth right. and not a state. It may seem a matter of loyally semantics, but there is a difference, a subtle one. In a state, the state protects the rights of the citizens, but a commonwealth protects the rights of the citizens in exchange for the citizens fulfilling their obligations as citizens. And sad to say, there will always be those who do not. But to those who do fulfill the civic virtue, then we must give the great rewards to.
0: Sure, sure. And you got into politics, serving in the House of Burgesses, I believe. That's correct. Well, um, even you know before the um, the Virginia Conventions and and, and that whole the. Uh well,
1: uh, an interesting side note was that. My defendant in the Parsons cause, Thomas Johnson, his brother was Burgess from Louisa. And I purchased land in Louisa from him, and his brother, who was the Burgess, stepped down. And so I was elected first from Louisa County to the House of Burgess before later serving many terms in Hanover. And one of the first acts I did there was their attempt to tax the Stamp Act. I sat there, a very junior man, I was there less than a week, listening to the gentleman not raising a basic fundamental question. How had the Crown or Parliament the right to tax us in this way? We in Virginia have always had a charter, first given to us in sixteen oh seven, that we and our descendants forever would have the same rights and privileges as free born Englishmen. And one of those rights is to elect those representatives who will tax you. This new idea that the parliament was putting forth, that they or the king had the power, would know and elected to speak from us in parliament. The taxes was ludicrous. Hmm. The power to tax is the power to destroy. They could tax us into the level of slaves. And remember, my generation had seen it happen with those poor Africans in the previous generations. They arrived in indentures, and slowly over a period of time, their rights were stripped until in 1683, they became chattel slaves. We had seen it happen to one group of people. There was no reason they could not do it to us, unless with manly virtue we stood up and asserted our rights. And so I arose in the House of Burgess, and I made a speech against it, pointing out the very absurdity of it. It was only then that people saw the light of the candle. Well, yes, we must uh, protest this, and so that began a series of 10 years of uh, various acts to try and tax us in different guises, and always we would protest, and always the crown would retreat, but eventually it became so obvious that it was a systematic attempt to reduce us to the level of slavery. We had committees of correspondence set up between the colonies so that the cause of one could be the cause of all, because that was the way that we could stand up to the might of England. And eventually it became obvious that there was not going to stop. The tea that was dumped into the harbor in Boston and in Yorktown and in other Charleston and other places was the cheapest tea in the world. The king had subsidized every drop of it except for the tax, and, but if we had bought that tea, we would have agreed to the tax. Right. And we could not do that. And so I made my way uh, through it, and when Lord Dunmore absolved the House of Burgesses, he
0: left Virginia in a state of nature, and it can be argued that we did not leave England. England it, it, left it, us. And he dissolved the House of Burgesses because they sided with the Bostonians, correct? And that and other reasons. Um,
1: He did not like the tenor of our conversation. Um, He did not like our stand. But he was acting under instruction. So when he dissolved the House of Burgesses, we were no longer members of the House of Burgesses, but it is a natural right to government. And so the members published in the Gazettes a call for a convention. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is what makes our revolution not unique but differ from the French. In the recent French Revolution, it was a rising up of the mob. Here, in Virginia at least, we were always elected by the people. And not all the members of the House of Burgesses were returned to the new conventions because the people voted some of the more conservative members out. Right. And it began to change. There were economic changes happening in the colony. There were religious changes happening, and it was a new day. So, when I traveled here to Richmond Town for the second
0: Virginia Convention in March of seventeen seventy-five, and, and is this before? Because you also attended the the Continental Convention as well, correct? Is that that was is-
1: the previous year.
0: So, so and, the First Virginia Convention is
1: before the... And, and then, one and then of the then things happening at the first is to elect members to go to this uh, constitutional convention, uh, okay. conventions, uh, the conventions, the nationwide convention. and Continental convention. Continental, thank you, sir. I misspoke myself. Not good thing for a lawyer, is it? <laughs> but uh, not a great deal happened at the first one because we were wary of trying to attempt too much and be seen as trying to seize control of the government. We did not want a civil war, we wanted our rights. We did not want independence. By the time we arrived here in 1775, it was obvious to me that if we were going to get our rights, we were going to have to fight for them. And so that was my idea was to arm the colony. With the dissolving of the Burgesses, Dissolve the right of people to have a militia on the, the Virginia government.
0: In a very bold, brave move. Well, the, we have a
1: right, a natural right to self-defense. The, um,
0: the, you know, the idea, though, that you would be able to beat mighty England at that time, you know, I mean, it, it must have been at least worrying. Well, of I mean, course it always is, and
1: violence should always be avoided if possible, but Colonel Washington had already been forming independent companies of men uh, in Fairfax, in um, uh, other places throughout. He was forming um, independent companies to form a basis of an army to defend Virginia in the conflict he saw coming. And when it became obvious that we had to be ready, hopefully we would not need it, but we had to be ready for the public good I put forth the idea here again, that's a step towards government, uh but it is not yet seizing all reins of government, but we have a natural right to defense and By being ready, the fighting began in Lexington and Concord three weeks after this convention, and it was part of a plot because at the same time the ship sailed for Boston to seize their gunpowder it, another sailed for Williamsburg to seize arms right and so The fighting quickly escalated after that. But again, we went into the war for the first year with the idea of asserting our rights. Uh, If you look at some of the early flags, they look like our more modern flag, except in the field, instead of stars, there is the the flag of England. That we wanted to remain British citizens. But if we are not given the full rights, then eventually, after a year, it became obvious that we would
0: have to be independent, uh... If we wanted rights at all, and because I understand at that point you were more upset with Parliament than the King, right? Or is that is that wrong? Or uh, the King, in my mind, had become a tyrant.
1: He was a fool and a puppet to the Ministry. The Parliament, and he wanted nothing more but to increase the wealth of the common. One of the reasons slavery was imposed upon us was the king got a tax on every pound of tobacco that came into England. And of course, we could only trade with England through the Navigation Acts. So he would do whatever was necessary to keep that flowing and increasing. And if he could tax us, then that would be more money than that he could spend at home to enhance his position there. And if it meant depriving us of our rights, then he saw no problem with that.
0: And but to play devil's advocate, what are they not trying to also pay down debts from the French and Indian War? Oh indeed, to indeed. Us? He was in
1: debt sixty three million pounds. Wherever there's a government, there will be taxes. So, we have paid our taxes in
0: Virginia. But and again, forgive me, this is devil's advocate, but are they you know, is it not uh, almost, you know, thank you for the protection. You spent money to fight this war. Now we don't want to pay for it. You know, is it is that would that be an incorrect or
1: It would be a simplification. It's not that we minded paying our taxes, it's just that our elected representatives who know our needs and our abilities should be the ones to decide how the taxes are raised. Okay. And as far as the protection, if the king had not put so many restrictions upon us, we are more than able to defend ourselves, as the later war proved. We are a growing and strong empire. We had the manpower and resources, and if we had been given more freedom, we could have solved the French and Indian problem on our own. But it was in many ways because he did not want to give us enough freedom that the war was as severe as it
0: was. And so I guess when you guys did come up to Richmond, um, I don't know if you can remember at all, but what... Obviously, the church was much smaller, um, Richmond was a tiny place, you know, it about five hundred. I mean, oh. is there six about six hundred people? Um, I mean, f- I guess from what our standards, I mean, the difference. it would probably have been phenomenally less homes, right? I mean, indeed. Um, the streets are far less graded; it's much much steeper than they are today. Um, and I mean, is it just coming here for? Because it's not Williamsburg, it's the closest town, or like what, why Richmond was chosen as for the Second Virginia Convention?
1: Well, Richmond was chosen for many, much of the same reason that it was moved, uh, the capital from Williamsburg to Richmond later on. It is more centrally located in the colony uh, than is uh, Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. And yes, the 50 miles or so between us would give us ample warning if the king were to try, uh, or Dunmore, were to try to send the Royal Marines. But we were sure he would not do that, because were he to send the Royal Marines to uh, displace us, then, of course, Williamsburg would be defenseless, and the citizens would rise up. But Richmond is more centrally located, and that is one of the reasons why, during the war, we removed it here, and that it was thought to be easier to defend, although it was eventually burned as well. but Richmond was indeed a very small town, but it has always been destined to be a great town. The falls here are the furthest west of any of the falls of any rivers in any of the colonies, so that an ocean going vessel can go further west here than anywhere else. The uh, river and the discovery of iron across river in Manchester uh, means that there will always be an industry. and. With the surrounding uh, farmers bringing the goods to market here at the falls to trade, it is destined always to be a um, a great city. Whereas Williamsburg has many disadvantages, uh,
0: very swampy and unhealthy in many ways. Hmm. And and when you come here, I'm uh, you know it's obviously very high stakes. Um, but you haven't seen a lot of these people. I mean, and I'm assuming your friends would you consider these colleagues' friends or some of them that, you know, for this convention? I mean, uh, you obviously knew some from the House of Burgesses, so like you said, some might have been really, uh, you know, taken out. But I mean, I guess, first of all, would you, would you maybe go have a beer with them afterwards? I mean, would you, were you friendly that way, or was it more of a business arrangement? You must understand that in Virginia, being so small,
1: that we are all interconnected mm-hmm. in one way or another. So to offend one of us is to offend all of us. I have many gentlemen who I'm related to here, and of course you have Lees, mm-hmm. uh, where Richard Henry Lee was here, Richard Lee was here, Henry Lee was here, mm-hmm. um, So, but we are all interrelated because of the small size of the colony. Friendly? Uh, yes, but many of them, because I'm a friendly fellow. Some of them I had my disagreements with, um, and some I would, yes, go out and go to the taverns afterward because that's of course where we stayed if we were not close enough to be at home. And that is one of the sources, uh, General uh, Washington, who was colonel at this time, was never a great public speaker. He spoke very little to to any effect, but he used his influence in the taverns and talking to the gentlemen one-on-one. And that is where a great deal of the um, conversation went. The speech I made there, uh, it swayed some people, I believe. Uh, Mr. Pendleton, who has always had a little animosity towards me, uh, was very much in power and representative of the old power, uh, spoke very forcefully against it, and there was a lot of indecisiveness. So my speech was aimed more towards the rising uh, uh, group of people and the frontiersmen who represented the vast far ends of the county, of the country, um, what is now Pennsylvania and Illinois and Kentucky, all this was part of Virginia. We stretched from the Atlantic to the Mississippi and up to the Great Lakes. And those gentlemen were not so inclined to see the old planters rule everything as they always had. So much of my speech was geared toward them. But we had heard the arguments for 10 years. And as a lawyer, I was able to deal with each one as it was raised and point out the absurdity of their position. Mm -hmm. And it was a very close vote. I can't remember exactly, five out of the 120 or so, something like that. But I was able to persuade enough people to go ahead that we must start the steps
0: needed for our own self-defense. Right. You won. The score doesn't count, right? That's (laughs) a good way to put it. Um, And... uh, I mean I imagine that there would have been somewhat of I mean because you guys were here for a week ago yes. correct I mean that's a single that's a little, what, the second, second day I believe um and after that I mean what where's this the In today we don't really focus much on the other day so we don't really you know was it mostly just putting things in order figuring out you know voting people new people or what what happened for the rest of the week a lot of it was mundane business mm-hmm. um
1: my resolution called for preparing a plan for arming the colonies, and of course we had discussed this before, and Colonel Washington was on the committee with me and he had the plan in his pocket, and so the next day we presented it and passed it, and one of the things we did was choose delegates to go to the Second Continental Congress, and that is fateful because um, Colonel Washington was wearing his Fairfax County Independent Company of Men uniform blue and off to show that he was willing to fight, and he made the mistake of wearing that to the Second Continental Congress. And when the fighting began, Mr. Adams, looking around and realizing that a Virginian was needed for this thing, he did not want it to be just a New England conflict, and realizing that Colonel Washington was an experienced soldier, nominated him, much against Mr. Washington's desire. He told the Congress he did not think he was capable of it, but. Once they offered it to him, he could not, in honor, refuse it. And I believe that that was the correct choice. Colonel Washington is not of the first minds, but he has a solid mind. And a leader need not necessarily be the smartest. He must judge talent, which Colonel Washington has always been able to do, be forthright and honest, and make best use of those talents around him. He stayed in the field for eight years, when others who perhaps for a battle or two may have been more brilliant generals, would have long since gone home. And it was his perseverance, I think, that won us the conflict. Mm.
0: And you mentioned the the you know going to the Continental Congresses. We have you know the first one you were quite vocal. Um, it seems the second one you clammed up a little bit, um, and, and especially within the first one, um, because today we mostly remember Patrick Henry for the speech here at St. John's. Um, but unlike most of the other folks, you kept refusing national office after that. And, and at that first convention you very, pretty, kind of pretty famously said, you know, today I'm, I'm sorry if I botched the words, but today I'm not a Virginian. That We're all Americans. Um, and, but then after that so it seems to sink back into a Virginian.
1: What happens after that is people tend to forget the first government we had, Mm -hmm. the Articles of Confederation. It was a good form of government in my mind, and in it, each of the states retained their sovereignty. We were 13 sovereign nations joined together in a treaty of commerce and defense. It was only after the war was won, and, and I served my public duties as need be, but I also had to make a living for my very large family. So I returned to law. Mm-hmm. Okay. Having done my duty. 11 children? Is 17. Children. 17, oh gracious. Well, depending on what point of my life you were talking Sure. About. Uh, but I had to support them. And the government, I had done my duty, the government seemed to be in good hands. I next came out. Well, I served as governor a few times, but on a national stage, I guess my presence was made known more at the debates on the Constitution Mm -hmm. that was put up in Virginia. We debated it in 1788. I was against the Constitution. And that was done here in Richmond, correct? Indeed. That was, okay. Um, Because by that time, the capital had been moved from Williamsburg to Richmond. Mm In 1780. And the town began to grow as will always happen when you have a seat of government. But I was against it. I was elected to attend the convention, but I did not go. I felt there was something uneasy about this. And I realized at once that they had exceeded their mandate. Their mandate was to amend the Articles of Confederation. Because, yes, it did have problems. the rebellions that were happening needed to have a more strong central government or at least some way to suppress these rebellions. But what they did is, instead of amending what they were supposed to do, they threw the baby out with the bathwater and came up with this constitution. Who gave them the right to talk about we the people? We had been 13 sovereign nations. If anything, it should be we, the states, in this new form of government that they wanted. The idea that now our destiny as Virginians would be tied up with those of Rhode Island and others who could override the wisdom of our legislators and we could not remove that. We could only remove our delegates. Um, the tying together, the making of the a strong central government If we had to learn nothing by examining the history of mankind, it is that governments will grow and accent their power. The power to tax will have a king with extensive powers, with a standing army, and a citadel city which he could send forth his troops to conquer the lands. This new form of taxation, which again could be as oppressive as the Congress wants it to be, will be a double set because the state tax collectors will want their share too. And before long, we will be, uh, the sheriff will be at our door constantly wanting the monies. The new Supreme Court that they talk of is elected by the Congress. Mm-hmm. If they are totally uncorruptible men, then perhaps our rights will be saved. they talk of it will make us proud in the theater of the world and our trade will increase. But the language of liberty is different. It should not be how is my trade to be increased, but how are my liberties to be preserved. Preserve me my liberties, that crown rule, and you may have the rest. And I ask you to look at all the histories of the world. Have more people been overthrown by the dissipation of the people, or the corruption of the government? And I will find that, along with you, that the great tide of them had been with the government. So I have had great reserves about this new form of government, and I argued greatly against it. Uh, there were others, George Mason was on my side, Richard Henry Lee was on my side, and it was a, a very close thing. General Washington by this time, of course, could not publicly comment one way or the other because it was widely accepted that he would be the chief executive and to comment in favor of it would smack too much of the politician seeking office. But he could communicate with his friends. And Mr. Madison was a very notable opponent and noteworthy opponent in the debate. And it was very close. I will say that if Virginia had not ratified, even though the other nine, already necessary, had ratified. But again, Virginia, the largest, the richest, the most populous of the states, splitting the country in two as we did, we would take back the territory, the Northwest Territory that we had given to the uh, Confederation, and North Carolina refused to ratify. Mm -hmm. We would have been a very powerful split in the Union, and it very probably would not have succeeded without us. Once defeated,
0: however, I accepted the will of the people. But and So you were, so because you never sided, even though I know a lot of the folks were swayed by the, well, you know, what we know now, the Bill of Rights, the amendments to the Constitution, did you ever secede, I mean, you know, uh, switch sides on that or uh, before it was ratified? Did you vote for it or against it in the end? In the end, I voted against it. Uh, the
1: idea of amendment before ratification was, in my mind, absurd. What you are to give the jailer count- the key to your cell and hope he releases you? Hmm. Uh, if we are to have this new form, I wanted the rat- uh, amendments, which were not stated. And in every government in the world, it right, is so in Spain and in the German states. In every government in the world where the rights are not implicitly preserved, it is implied they go to the government. And if that is to be the case here, why would they refuse, what, to save paper? Mm -hmm. It was absurd to me that the people would, at first, agree to it. And we did later get a Bill of Rights because many people, Mr. Mason and others, felt it was so. Mr. Washington has confided to me and Mr. Madison as well that they did not think a Bill of Rights was necessary because nothing granted to the government explicitly, everything was preserved to the people. Uh, but it is better to say so because if we cannot trust if men were
0: angels, then we would not need government, as Mr. Madison has so famously said. And were these there these discussions going on at the Capitol here, at Jefferson's Capitol, or were they been somewhere else? Well, they started uh, at the first Capitol
1: uh, down the hill, and then we went to the New Academy up
0: near the theater. Okay. Uh, to so that the was discussion. in like Fourteenth and Main originally, and there, over there in that little alley, I believe that was the originally, and then um, up on well, the five. Alright, so this is only slightly confusing. That was Patrick Henry. Kevin Grants is going to interject in the conversation. His uh, voice is just slightly similar to Patrick Henry. That might get a little confusing, but two different people. One from the 18th century, Kevin Grants from the 21st century, where we are. There was a wooden building there. Sure. Mm -hmm. And
1: then the academy is about where the uh, Egyptian building is. Sure.
0: That's a woman Anywhere near But you know, that's where The rest of the debate okay. Sure mm-hmm. See that I don't even know Why I brought it up why, why, why would I bring that up Their voices are obviously Completely different So uh, That was Kevin Grants Let's get back To Patrick Henry The Idea of The capital Here um, I know that's Because you Did serve In the Legislate, state legislature um, after the constitution correct mm-hmm. um, I mean would that that seems like such a a symbol of you know getting rid of the Georgian architecture and going to this Romanesque architecture and um, coming to this city to represent you know no longer in a small wooden frame you know something you know in in a palace of such thing it must have sort of embodied an idea of of, of all these <coughs> You know, republic that you're that you're discussing. I mean, that um, I mean, I don't know if that was uh, something you were conscious of or or remember. Well, let me be correct, correct you on one minor point.
1: So, okay. I was elected in 1799 to serve in the legislature, but through my failing health, do not serve. Okay. I did serve as governor
0: post-revolution, mm-hmm. but, and that would have been in Williamsburg. The government? first
1: was in Williamsburg, then I removed to the first uh,
0: governor's state, which was a
1: mean little house mm-hmm. of one story, uh, so I spent the majority of my time in my estate in
0: Salisbury in Midlothian. Mm-hmm. Um, and didn't, didn't seem to, to like that job. It's, I, I, I can't remember what it was. I remember you wrote something that was um, weak, the, too, the governorship was too weak. Or something well, like during the war there were times when uh, there was called on for
1: a, someone to be a dictator to ease the uh, difficulty of getting supplies done. One of the problems with a democracy or a republic of any sort is of sometimes the process is too slow in times of crisis. But in the normal course of things, which is what we are trying to establish here, the very slowness and inefficiency of the government is much to be desired. Uh, too energetic a leader, for too long, will eventually seize power, It is human nature. So, while I shaped sometimes under the dealings with the assembly uh, and their inability to see reason on things, I realized that it was what we were trying to build, as was Mr. Jefferson's new capital. It may seem a little grandiose for a town that was about a thousand people by this time, but the idea uh, that they had in Boston, a city on the hill, the capital overlooking the James. we What we are building towards, ideals, because we are the first country in the world not formed by geographical accidents, by kinship, uh, kinship of religion, but of ideas, and this new concept of what we have can spread anywhere. Uh, As we expand to the West, new states can be admitted. Why, even those savages that Captain Cook discovered in the Sandwich Islands, Mm -hmm. perhaps someday they might subscribe to this idea and join us. Too far off to even imagine, but so this new idea, this new world we were building, I think Mr. Jefferson, who had many faults, but he had many strengths, and um, his
0: knowledge of where to go to for good design paid off, I believe, in that capital seems seems quite nice today, seems quite nice' this is a definitely definitely a respectable building. Um, I think uh, I've kind of kept you for a while. I know you're quite busy. Um, unless you, if uh, you have anything else, we can we can end here. And uh, yeah. well, I would like to say only that
1: people should practice virtue, not only to each other but with the government. And if we want to practice
0: virtue, and We shall have a great, happy, and prosperous nation. Great words to end on. Thank you for your service. And thanks for sitting down with me. All right, that was it. Hope you enjoyed it. That was the conversation with uh, Patrick Henry. Let me know what you think. um, You know, at History Replays on Twitter, at Facebook, History Replays Today. um, And uh, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. Tell your friends to as well. Uh, remember always always very very affordable ways to uh, sponsor this podcast so let me know about that if anybody's interested um, and uh, check out org where these episodes are going are posted um, subscribe there again also com. find some, some pretty interesting information over there as well that's via the blog that inspired the podcast and um, the next episode will have a uh, um, I'm not really sure. Either Hugh Campbell, uh, who's the owner of the John Marshall Barbershop. He's been down cutting hair down there for uh, 47 years. Um, I might do him. uh, Or I might do uh, Mark Greenow from the Capitol. Um, He talks to me about the the, the building of the Virginia State Capitol. If anybody has a preference, um, Hugh Campbell, we talk a little bit about uh, Chaco Bottom. Um, A little bit about uh, Elvis Presley. In fact, a couple presidents to come through. Um, If you want to hear that one next, uh, let me know. Uh, If you want to hear uh, Mark Greenow, let me know about that as well. Um, Very important. Go check out the uh, events they have at St. John's and make it a great day.